Hello, this is Evan Brand. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host. I'm a certified functional medicine practitioner and a functional nutritional therapist. I'm sure you've been watching the world unfold. It's been pretty interesting, hasn't it? We'll see what happens. We'll see how it all turns out. Uh, If you've got a headache from watching everything, well, today's podcast should help you. Today's podcast is all about functional medicine solutions for headaches, something that we hear about clinically all the time, and conventional medicine, of course, just says take an aspirin, ibuprofen, and whatever, your Advil, your Tylenol, your which Tylenol is no good. It's acetaminophen, which depletes your glutathione very rapidly. Aleve, which is, I've talked with several neurologists about Aleve. They say that is no good. So we've hopefully got some better solutions for you. That's what we're going to dive into today. If you need help clinically, please reach out. I've got Megan Gump on staff. She's amazing. She has the same functional medicine certifications and training and nutritional therapy experience that I do. And she's worked with me for several years now. And we have great, great, great teamwork. So you can book a 15-minute free call with her, chat with your symptoms and goals, and we'll take you under our wing and we'll ride you to the path of success. So that's all on my site, evanbrand.com. Evan, what's happening, man? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing really well. We were looking through some little papers here on headaches. This is a big problem. I remember when I was actually working out of a chiropractor's office, which feels like a long time ago, and it was a pretty long time ago. It was. There were so many people that would come in there, and they'd have headaches, and the chiropractor would lay the patient down on the table, and he'd do the adjustment, and they'd say, oh my God, mm-hmm. I feel better. But then guess what? They came back next week for the same adjustment, for the same headache, and this guy never got to the root cause. And then when I started bringing just simple nutritional strategies into the clinic, all of a sudden, the people didn't need the adjustment every week for the headache anymore. And of course... That quickly affected his his bottom line, and he's like, hey, stop getting my people off gluten. You're fixing their headaches. And I thought, well, isn't that the goal of what we're doing here? So a uh, funny little backstory on headaches for me. Totally. I mean, there's definitely a mechanical structural aspect to headaches. So if the joints in the spine aren't moving properly, if there's a subluxation or a fixation, there's just not good movement, that can be a problem, right? Uh, especially like if the... Um, the atlas that C1 and C2 aren't moving properly because your head sits on top of that, that can create a lot of um, neurological imbalances and muscular imbalances, of course. And then just people sitting all day, right? What does that do? That's going to just create this forward head posture. And that takes these muscles here and makes them really tight. And then you have a lot of these muscles, um, they can create trigger point pain referral up the side of the neck. So like trigger points in the SCM, this muscle here, the sternocleidomastoid or the upper trapezius, or the, the splenius capitis muscles in the back that go up and, and that hit right in the back of the occiput there. Um, the, if these muscles get tight or they have trigger points, they can cause referral into the face. So you have subluxation, joint issues, and then those can cause neurological disturbances and blood flow issues. And then, of course, all of the trigger point referral from the muscles. So good chiropractic care can be helpful on the structural side. I, ideally, you want a chiropractor that one can either do some kind of myofascial release or active release therapy, some kind of a soft tissue or refer out for it. And then also taking a look at the postural stuff, like you mentioned, like making sure, like I'm at a stand desk right now, so I can stand half my day. I have a really good chair that has really good uh, lumbar and cervical support. So you want to make sure postural is good. You can do good exercises like the foundation training. Eric Goodman does that. He does a lot of these, the founder exercises like this. I Pro, love yeah, Cobra. the foundation training is like a game changer for the so, back. P- people that are yeah. on audio that that uh, that are not seeing him, the the founder pose is pretty cool. You basically put your arms up like you're 
praying to the sun gods above your head and then you end up bending over and then you open your chest up and then you kind of stand up it's a very very good oh it feels great yeah basically it's just putting stress on that whole posterior chain and working that whole posterior side um, together in unity so from a structural standpoint soft tissue make sure joints are moving properly and then, of course, look at the trigger point, referral, the adhesions. The problem with chronic muscle pain is you have poor movement. Poor movement in the joints means poor communication to the brain. You have lots of postural disturbances from people sitting all day. And if you sit, invest in a good desk, a good, a good desk as well as a good chair. Spend a couple hundred bucks, get a really good chair that has cervical and lumbar support. Um, that's huge. Don't, don't get a cheap thing like that. And then uh, also soft tissue, chiropractic. And then good exercise support to really make sure that whole posterior chain's working well. So you're saying the the experience I was witnessing where the chiropractor was adjusting someone, that could have been legit in terms of the therapy, meaning if someone was sitting on a terrible chair all week, every week, they come in Friday for their headache adjustment, the headache goes away for the weekend, then they're back next week for the headache. You're saying, yeah, legitly that could have been a, a structural postural thing that, that he was addressing, but then at the end of the day, Maybe it was the the diet piece, like I mentioned, even just simply getting a lot of these patients off gluten, they noticed that they only had to come in every two weeks or every three weeks. So is it, would you then say that the the food allergens were contributing to increased inflammation, maybe triggering these nerves to be more sensitive? Or what do you think the diet, how would that link into the structural component? Yeah, so the diet does two things, right? The diet, one, increases an environment of inflammation, the more inflamed um, you get the, 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 the least amount of blood flow, less blood flow you get to the muscles, less blood flow you get to the nerves. So there's going to be less uh, communication, right? It's like, it's like you're on a microphone and you start to get near static, right? And you start getting static. It's kind of like that. So if we have a lot of inflammation, what starts to happen is the muscles start becoming more, less pliable, more like beef jerky versus soft and supple. And then that affects the nerves as well, because the more inflammation there is, that's going to affect nerve communication. And then, of course, the more inflammation there is, and if we have bad posture and we don't move, then the joints can become a little bit stuck and maybe uh, out of aligned or subluxated. So it could aid to the inflammation, which then makes it harder for the muscles to work, thus harder for the joints to work and the nerves to work. That's number one. And then number two, things like gluten have shown to actually decrease blood flow to the brain, to the frontal cortex. So you have blood flow up the garden hoses on the side of your neck called the carotid artery. And there's studies on this talking about gluten decreasing blood flow and, and creating inflammation in the brain. So one, it's going to do it via structural mechanisms of the nerves and muscles and joints from an inflammation standpoint, structural two, it's going to affect blood flow and drive up inflammation to the brain, which then can create more neurological activation, immune activation in the brain, which can create symptoms of head pain there too. So if you want to be smarter and make better decisions, make sure you're not eating gluten. That sounds pretty convincing to me. Also, let's get into the nutrient deficiency piece. If you're eating a meal, let's say you're eating a pasta and chicken, you're probably not going to be getting much magnesium. And you're probably not going to be getting many B vitamins that are going to be essential. Magnesium is probably the most famous mineral for headaches and muscle cramps and things like that. And we could pull it up, but it's very easy to find in the literature the link between magnesium deficiency and headaches and, of course, the muscle cramping too. So, I mean, that's an easy one too from the diet perspective. It's not just the inflammation piece. It's the absence of the nutrition that you need to help 
you know, fuel these, these pathways. And then also what about like fatty acids? So, you know, I remember several people where all we did is give them a high dose omega-3 couple grams a day and their headaches were gone just based on adding in some omegas. Yeah. So there's a couple other components with headaches, right? So of course, like you, you're just highlighting nutrients, like your brain needs certain nutrients to run and function. So if you look at a lot of these migraine, these natural migraine supplements, you'll see a couple of common things. You'll see like B vitamins, especially like niacin in there. You'll see things like magnesium in there. You'll see B6 in there. These are really important things. Also, CoQ10 is very important for headaches and migraines. So just from a nutrient standpoint, the more nutrient-dense, anti-inflammatory, low-toxin your foods are, the more these nutrients are going to be present, okay? And the other component is the more refined and processed your foods are, usually there's going to be, okay, and then also the fats start. The fats are also anti-inflammatory. So remember, inflammation affects the muscles, the nerves, the joints. So the more of an anti-inflammatory environment you create with good fats, like you just highlighted, that's going to help. And the other component is blood sugar. So the, the more poor your diet is, usually there's more processed food. You're lacking those nutrients, but you're also typically eating more processed, refined carbohydrates and junky fats, which causes your blood sugar to go up and down. And these ebbs and flows of blood sugar, especially on the way down, can really create headache issues. So this reactive hypoglycemia kind of blood sugar issue response can create surges of adrenaline and cortisol, and those things can definitely create headaches too. Yeah, and that could be, it could be shakiness, right? It could be irritability. There could be some mood changes. There could be possibly fuzzy thinking, you know, from a cognitive perspective too. So people may not connect the dots like, oh, I had oatmeal and a banana for breakfast and now here it is 10 a.m., three hours later. My blood sugar's crashing. Not only am I irritable and anxious, but all of a sudden I'm getting a headache. What is it? Is it the fluorescent lights in my cubicle at the office? Which, yes, it could be fluorescent lighting is a big trigger for headaches. So it could be some environmental cause too. Is it the moldy office building you're sitting in that's causing the headache? Maybe. Or is it simply just the blood sugar crashing? And it could be all of it. So that's the thing that you and I do really uh, a good job at is we try to look at all the variables. Because if you go to like a conventional doc for a headache, maybe they give you an ibuprofen recommendation or if it's bad enough, they'll give you some type of a prescription medication if it's to the migraine level, like a Topamax or something like that. And then you get stuck on these medications. There's not really any sort of root cause game plan. But if they referred you out to possibly an allergist, if they thought that your headaches were from an allergy problem, the allergist is likely going to recommend some over-the-counter antihistamine or some type of drug like that or possibly a prescription. And once again, they're not addressing any of the root cause stuff. And you could have gone to several practitioners and no one brought up magnesium deficiency. No one brought up vitamin D, which is critical. No one brought up getting off gluten, getting off grains, getting rid of potentially nuts and seeds if you have histamine type issues. So it's just amazing how far you could go down the conventional rabbit hole with this issue and still not even get close to the root cause. Yeah, that's the hard part. Like in functional medicine world, everything's like three-dimensional, right? So you have medications that are like anti-inflammatory. You have SNRI medications that are affecting serotonin or <clears throat> dopamine or adrenaline. Um, I've had really great success using amino acids for headaches too. Now, why are there amino acid deficiencies? Usually it's a combination of stress burning up serotonin and dopamine, or it's a combination of not breaking down and digesting good amino acids, right? So you can see amino acids play a very powerful role. I think you also see it with DLPA as well and headaches. These are all amino acids. And if we have poor digestion and we have poor nutrition to begin with, we got a one, a deficiency coming in, but we also have a deficiency on being able to digest, assimilate, and utilize these nutrients as well. 
Yeah. So you're typically going to be using like a complex, right? You're, you're probably not going to spot tree where you're going to come in with like just DLPA by itself. You may come in with like a, maybe a, a good quality protein or like collagen or some type of amino acid blend when you're talking about aminos, correct? Well, it depends. So if I have organic acid testing showing serotonin and dopamines off, we, we may spot those with specific amino acids. And then of course you yeah. got to have B6 there with that and, and those other nutrients in the background. So of course, like we're going to be doing a good quality multi, and then we'll be hitting those amino acids up for sure, especially if we have lab data on it, but we'll be like, we're never going to go all in on one thing, right? We're going to do a good history and then we're going to make recommendations. Maybe there's some structural stuff we got to look at. Maybe there's some diet stuff we got to look at. Maybe there's some supplement stuff we have to look at. And we would kind of get a plan for all three of those things going at once if we see those issues could be active. Yeah, what we do is so fun. It's not just fun, it's very effective because as you mentioned, we're going to be looking at organic acids testing to try to investigate this issue. We may be looking at stool testing too because I know you and I have both seen countless times where we'll see gut inflammation and that may manifest in terms of headaches too. So gut inflammation is not just, hey, my gut feels inflamed or irritated. It could be the whole system. You could have headaches. You could have increased fatigue. You could have increased joint pain. And depending on what kind of infections you have, whether it's, I know when I had parasites and H. pylori, I had headaches. Now, what was the mechanism? Well, hard to say, but I would say one mechanism was my, my digestion was terrible. I had diarrhea. I, you know, you could diagnose me with IBS. That's what the conventional doctor actually said was, hey, this is just IBS. Of course, that doesn't address the infection. So, I think that's one other thing that we should bring up is that if the diet's dialed in, we've got someone listening saying, hey, look, I'm doing paleo or autoimmune paleo or um, I'm doing magnesium supplements. My vitamin D is good. I'm off gluten. Why do I still have headaches? Well, you know, then I would look at the gut and then I would look at some of these environmental causes as well because we do know that toxins of various types, whether it's mercury, cadmium, aluminum, any kind of heavy metals, those can affect... Uh, the brain, those can affect headaches, mold toxin, mycotoxins, Lyme, co-infections. I mean, I'm opening up a lot of can of worms here, but this is what we do. We, we try to get all of the potential puzzle pieces and then arrange those in the right order to get you feeling better. Uh, totally, totally, 100% agree. So you got to look at everything, kind of get to the roots, uh, the root cause for sure. So very important. Um, so in regards to different headaches, of course, we have like cluster headaches, we have regular headaches, which kind of, you know, cause pain in the head, upper neck. <clears throat> of course, we have migraines, which are more going to be extremely painful headaches, right? Usually there's going to be more intense, there's going to be kind of that open book kind of sensation, maybe you'll have a little bit of an aura, there'll be some eye issues, more intense. Uh, obviously, with women, this can be a big issue when there's ebbs and flows and estrogen in your cycle, or you can see it premenstrually, especially when there's a big premature drop in progesterone or inadequate levels of progesterone, you can see it hormonally. So when you have headaches too, if you're a female listening, make sure you see if you time it up in your cycle. If it's happening at or around ovulation or at a specific time in your cycle, typically it's gonna be premenstrually right before you bleed or right at or around menstruation. There's probably ebbs and flows with the hormones. So, you know, we may use herbs to help modulate the upstream signaling from the brain to the ovaries. And we may use some specific hormones to kind of buffer out the ebbs and flows. And then of course, we're trying to get the adrenals and the HPA, GT access all better. So those symptoms are going to be less uh, prevalent. Yeah, and you're saying this could be related to the progesterone dropping too much or prematurely. That would also then assume that that's an estrogen dominant situation going on too, right? Yep. So maybe something like calcium deglucurate, which we use not only for mycotoxins and other things, that could also help with the hormonal piece and therefore potentially help with headaches. Yep, that's correct.
100%. Glutathione. Glutathione's been very helpful for me. Uh, I, I don't want to divert too quickly away from the hormonal thing because I think you brought up a, a, a big smoking gun for a lot of women. But, you know, glutathione d- did a lot of good for me when I first was dealing with headaches and it was related to toxicity, just two to 300 milligrams a day, and it would significantly help. However, if you do too much, uh, I know you remember that night I called you. I'm like, hey, I took a double dose of glutathione. My yep. head is freaking killing me. Remember that? Yep. Uh, I was just experimenting, and, and I messed up, and I mobilized too many toxins. So that could be something to talk with your practitioner about as well is, hey, are you doing binders? Are you doing some type of chelation? Are you doing glutathione? Because if you're pushing too much out, that can also overwhelm this detox system, and it'll result as a headache. Yep, 100%. Um, I don't love like classifying a lot of these headaches because, okay, whether it's a cluster headache or a tension headache or a migraine headache, it doesn't really tell me a lot about the root cause, right? Like someone could have a hormonal issue and could have just a general tension headache while someone else could have like kind of a migraine um, headache, right? True. And so it doesn't tell you like a whole bunch about the root cause. So like I just kind of, when I deal with patients, I kind of make a note of what's going on. I try to connect it to things that are happening day in, day out. Like meaning if we see it happen like right after a meal, we may think blood sugar. If we see it happen at things throughout the cycle, it could be if we it could be more hormonally based. If it's just kind of random, then I'm gonna be asking about physical, what's physical stress look like in regards to posture, in regards to muscle tone, in regards to seeing a chiropractor, in regards to what your office life like is like um, when you're sitting in a chair. Like I'll try to connect the dots with those things. But the kind of headache you have for me doesn't matter as much, but try to connect it to the onset. For me, that tends to matter a little bit. But even if we can't really get a big connection there, I just still do all these things that I mentioned and I still get amazing results. Yeah, that's the fun thing is we kind of fix stuff by accident sometimes, meaning we're going to run you through our protocols and procedures to get a good workup on you. And then, oh, hey, by the way, look at these major deficiencies in B vitamins. Oh, hey, look at these neurotransmitter imbalances. Oh, hey, look at the hormones. Oh, hey, look at the gut infections. We need to fix all this. And then boom, guess what? The headaches went away. Now, I agree with your comment about we don't really care about where or what the category or classification of the headache is. I would agree except for the occipital, the back of the head headaches, because for me, that definitely is 100% linked to Bartonella, which is a type of infection that you can get from fleas. So if you have cats, if you have dogs, if you're not keeping up with their flea preventatives and you get a flea on you, they do transmit Bartonella. Mosquitoes, there is some talk about mosquitoes transmitting Bartonella. And then of course, most infamous are ticks transmitting Bartonella. And I can tell you on the back of the head, man, It gets really tender. Unfortunately, I've had a lot of issues with Bartonella, and uh, I will notice just it's it's tender back there, and I haven't really linked it to to anything else. Now, maybe it's structural. Maybe I'm talking to you right now, and I'm kind of turtle heading forward by accident to make sure I'm talking into the microphone. But I think I think Bartonella is definitely a big back of the head. Yeah, it's it's good to know. It's good to know that. It's good to have that history. I mean, you could have back of the head issues though, just from you know forward head posture, and then these muscles. These capitus muscles that connect in the back could also get overly tight as well, just from poor posture. So it's True. good. It's good to kind of look at everything, right? And then who knows, right? It's kind of like with gluten. When you have an infection like that, it can drive more inflammation. When there's more inflammation, you're going to have less blood flow to the muscles. Um, the muscles are going to be less pliable, and, and they're more easy to get, you know, 
taut and tender fibers and to develop trigger points because of the inflammation. So everything's connected, but I think it's good. You know, it's, it's something that you add to like kind of your differential diagnosis as a clinician. Okay, good. Back of the head. We'll keep an eye out for co-infections. We'll keep an eye out for these underlying issues as well. I think that's smart. Do you want to talk about any of the other food allergies? I mean, we've seen people with like nightshade issues where peppers, tomatoes could cause some issues, potentially headaches. What about dairy? Do you want to talk on those at all? Yeah, I mean, I see dairy. Uh, I see potential nuts and seeds. I see all those things as, as a potential driver. Um, it's unbelievable because like having done, you know, this job for over a decade and seeing thousands of patients, you have common things that are just like the most common, like gluten and dairy, right? And blood sugar issues. But then there, sometimes there's just weird things like, okay, eggs. Eggs cause a problem. Well, eggs are a really awesome kind of paleo food. You know, it sucks that you can't eat eggs, but eggs are a great food. And that's crazy that that's causing your headache. Wow. Okay. So we'll just keep an eye on that. That's why, you know, we have a pretty strict elimination diet that we follow in the beginning just to rule out those variables because even things that I, I want that patient to be able to consume and I'm like, man, I wish I could have eggs, but sometimes they can't. And uh, that can get better over time as we heal the gut and as the immune system gets better and the gut gets better. So even that can still be healed over time for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you remember you and I talking about this, but for a while I was doing avocados like every single day. And then all of a sudden, I just had major pressure in my temples. I mean, it was like my head was being squeezed in a vice. I thought, oh my God, what is this? So I just went through the diet and started tracking things and discovered it was avocado. So I think I was just doing Could too much of it. Could it be histamine? Yeah, and you have, you have tyramine stuff, things like chocolates and wines and cheese, right? The tyramine kind of amino acid compound can drive headaches in some people as well, right? And so that's where it's nice to do that kind of investigation. Hey, is it connected to avocados? Is that a food allergy thing? Is it a histamine thing, right? Could it be a histamine, right? We know headaches, um, you would think there's a lot of constriction in the brain vessels, right? With headaches, it's actually the opposite. There's a lot of vasodilation in the brain vessels. And things like histamine actually drive vasodilation. That's why like when you bump your elbow, right? Well, there's a histamine immune response happening. Well, does your elbow become more swelled or less swelled when you bump it? Well, more swelling. Well, why is that? Because histamine is actually a, a strong vasodilator. It opens things up to help get those immune cells in there to go after the inflammation. So, you know, if we see things like histamine being a driving factor, we'll keep an eye on that. I mean, that, that's important to look at. Anything else you want to add about there? Yeah, let me comment on that. So that would explain why back in the day when my wife and I first got together, she had major, major headaches. You know, and we were trying to track it through the diet. And at the time, she was using the Excedrin, which was that pain medication yeah. with the caffeine, caffeine. in yep. there. That caused constriction. And that was the only thing yep. that helped her with the headache. And then luckily, she finally listened to me and we got her off gluten and got her diet dialed in and got her gut taken care of and cleaned up all of her personal care products. And hooray, Correct. no more headaches. So. Exactly, exactly. So that's a big thing. So if you're doing caffeine and you have a headache, could it help? Yes, definitely could help. May not be a root cause and it may be a palliative thing, right? But um, definitely can help. Of and withdrawals I too, right? Caffeine withdrawals. If you were on a bunch and then tried to get off caffeine, that would also cause kind of a rebound headache as well. And then uh, what about blood pressure? Uh, for a while, you know, I, I was noticing blood pressure spikes and that was directly linked to headaches i mean that's an easy one if you're walking around with 145 over 95 or higher as your as your blood pressure and you're in kind of a stage one or stage two hypertension that's a big big thing and that's easy low-hanging fruit to address as long as you can find the root cause of it 
Exactly. Yep. So that's, that's really important to look at. Also, um, just minerals like hydration and minerals are a big thing. Um, I did a big long fast. I fasted for two days. And when I was about 36 hours into it, I really had a strong headache, like really bad headache. Uh, I was doing minerals. I was doing hydration. I was even testing my blood sugar. Like my blood sugar was around 80, by the way. Um, but I, I personally believe I felt an inner tremble, an inner bit of jitteriness. So I believe my blood sugar was lifted to 80 by adrenaline and cortisol. Uh. So that's the thing. Like fasting could create a blood sugar issue, may not show on it. Like I got my keto mojo like meter right here. So I was like testing my blood sugar and I'm sitting around 80. I'm like, that's not like 60 or 50. Like, and I even tested my ketones. My ketones were like around 0.5 to, to 1 millimoles. So I, I now, was, was that was that where you would expect to be, or were the ketones lower, indicating that the body with the stress response kind of kicked you out or prevented you from being in a deeper? I think it kicked me out a little bit because I'm typically at about 0.5 anyway without fasting. So, and I tested, you know, I tested every now and then. I was at 0 0.5, 0 0.7 last week. Now I keep a very low carb, high fat breakfast, right? And I'm typically around 0.5 to 0.7. And I was over a day in and I was around 0.5 to 0.7. I didn't see a huge drop. Now, in two days, I, I dropped six pounds of, of weight just from water and not having any anything in my body. So I was losing a lot of weight on that side of the fence. But um, in general, fasting could potentially be a blood sugar stressor, even if it doesn't show up on the meter, because you could have other hormones picking it up cortisol yes, and that, adrenaline and then that could potentially cause more issues uh, neurologically that's a super super good point that 99 percent of people don't know hey wait a second i don't have a blood sugar problem but you didn't see it you didn't oh. see that on paper unless it, you had like a continuous monitor right and then it crashed and then you saw the spike yeah. later that would have been yeah. interesting yeah and um i broke my fast with bacon and eggs and within one to two hours headache gone Cool. So yeah. what do you think? How, what, how, what, what was the magic uh, remedy in the bacon and eggs that cured the headache? Oh, I mean, it's going to be nutrition and blood sugar. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a stress response. If your body doesn't get nutrition for two days, like actual nutrients, your body's going to be like, what's going on here? So there's going to be a stress response there, especially when I'm used to having a nutrient-dense diet. So just getting lots of good fats, lots of good proteins in there, um, just stabilize things out. So that's why if you're going to fast, you know, if you're going to do a fast, also... I worked for two days when I fasted. So I, de I generally recommend keeping your fast on non-stressful days where you can relax and chill out. Um, that way you're not under as much stress and um, you're not – because the, the fast is already a stressor. And so you don't want to add more stress to that. And so ideally finding days where they aren't that stressful if you're going to do a 24 or 36 or 48-hour fast. If not, intermittent fasts are probably the best because then you can still get all your nutrients in like a six-hour window and – still have a lot of that those fasting benefits which is probably better it's more it's easier to do yeah and it would be nice if we could get everyone to somewhat of a stable level of of health because since fasting has become kind of a, a popular i guess you'd call it a trend i hate to call it a trend but i guess it is you've got so many people doing it as a starting place like they'll go from a conventional diet and then they'll just start doing fasting it's like ah you're already nutrient deprived you really need to get like healthy with your diet first and then do it yeah Dude, this is 100%. Like, let's say the average person is eating this many calories, right? And the nutrient levels are here. So I'm kind of making hand gestures. High amount of calories, low amount of nutrients. What's the easiest first step here? 
is let's just increase the nutrients, right? And balance the macros. Like, why are we going to cut all the calories, aka nutrients down, if they already have a lot of calories and they don't have a lot of nutrients? That doesn't make sense. It's not the low-hanging fruit, right? It's like taking someone who hasn't exercised in a while and just throwing them into a CrossFit class. They're going to be overly sore, overly achy, and they're going to have an aversion to it in the future. Dad, the aversion's key because then they'll say, oh my God, fasting was terrible. It's terrible. Like, uh, uh. Well, how, how do you, that's kind of a, you got to, you got to break that down for me. What do you mean? What were you eating before then? What were your stress levels? Like you said, were you working? Was this on a weekend when you weren't stressed? What was your blood sugar? Did you, did you, right before you fasted, did you do a Reese cup? You're like, I'm going to have one last piece of cake and then I'm going to do a three day fast. I mean, what was yeah. it? So, I mean, like my favorite kind of fast day in day out is I'll have like a simple something kind of fat in the morning and then I won't eat till like 5 or 6 p.m. that night and I'll just do a little bit of bone broth at, at night or at, at, in the afternoon I, I like just a, something simple like that kind of rest my tummy for 8 to 10 hours have a nice bigger dinner so if I'm going to go out to eat I'll do a lot of that sometimes just so I can get my appetite up and if I consume a little bit of extra calories at night it's okay because I'll have a little more metabolic flexibility to handle it we'll do a, a all about fasting podcast soon if you have questions specific concerns experiences you want to share about those please if you're watching on uh, dr justin's youtube channel let us know but we should do a whole thing on that because i think there are good ways and bad ways to do it and i think we have before but it's always good to do to do updates on those 100 percent, totally agree so blood sugar stuff nutrients right b6 b vitamins um, riboflavin niacin thymine uh, herbs ginger um, fever few. Uh, we already talked about magnesium, I think. And then of course, things like 5-HTP and tyrosine can be really helpful. But again, not for everyone. Those are really good things out of the gates. CoQ10 is another important nutrient, keeping the inflammation down via some of the bad foods we chatted about, gluten and dairy and refined sugar out of the gates. And then look at some of the structural components, you know, is the structural component a root cause thing or is it, or is it an association with other inflammation stuff happening hormonally or in your diet? So you got to connect the two. And sometimes you may have two issues you have to address at the same time. You may need to see the chiropractor or the massage or the soft tissue or make postural changes while you change your diet and do other things. Sometimes you have to do both. So it's never just like a one-off kind of thing. It's always good to do both, uh, especially if you want results faster. Anything else yeah, you want well, to add, Evan? Yeah, well said. Uh, just a couple quick things. Dehydration, I mean, for all my clients out there listening that are doing binders, charcoal and zeolites and clays and whatever else, I mean, when you're pulling out toxins, we, you and I have said this a million times, we'll say it a million and one today, the solution to pollution is dilution. So AKA drink more clean, good filtered water, whether it's a Berkey, a RO with minerals, whatever you can do to get good filtered water, you gotta drink, 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 drink. Most people are chronically dehydrated. If you and I look at blood work, we'll see this all the time. And then uh, peppermint, lavender, essential oils, those are easy, low-hanging fruits. I'm not one of those people that thinks the essential oils are going to cure everything. However, there were times in my life where I had miserable headaches, and I would do a couple drops of lavender essential oil on my temples, and it would help, or I would do a little bit on the wrist and breathe it in, and that would help. Or if it was a tummy ache and headache, I would do a little topically on the stomach with the peppermint, and that reduced the headache. So those things can be helpful too. 100%. Yeah, totally appreciate that. So anyone listening to this, 
try to you know grab hold of some of the simple actionable information that we kind of outlined off the bat. If this issue has been going on for a while, feel free to reach out to Evan at evanbrand.com or Justin, myself, Dr. J at justinhealth.com. You'll see schedule links where you can reach out to both of us. We are available worldwide to provide your functional medicine, natural health needs. Um, also, if you guys enjoyed it, share it with friends and family. Put down below in the comments your own experiences with um, headaches and what's worked and what hasn't worked, what things have really moved the needle for you. And we really appreciate a review, an iTunes review from y'all. So evanbrand.com slash iTunes, justinhealth.com slash iTunes for review. Would that be amazing? Any, Evan, anything else you want to leave us with? No, that's it. You did a great job. Uh, thanks for the conversation. It's always a blast, and we'll be back next week. Excellent chat, and you have a good one. Take care. Bye. All right, as always, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I hope you get something out of it, and I hope you send it to someone that is suffering. It's probably someone in your family who eats gluten. I mean, a lot of times, headaches and migraines specifically, they're really tied into food issues, food intolerances, food sensitivity. So really cleaning up the diet is so, 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 so easy. But my God, people skip the low-hanging fruit. I don't know why. You know, here's the deal. You have to be miserable enough to... Uh, you got to be miserable enough to listen, right? And that's the problem with people that say, oh, I tried to get my family to do this or do that, and they won't listen. They're still eating the pizza, drinking the beer, whatever. It's because they're not miserable enough. Now, you may be able to save these people and convert them before they get to rock bottom, but unfortunately, that's what it takes. They have to be miserable enough to get motivated. So anyhow, if you need help clinically, please reach out. My website, evanbrand.com. Com has everything you need to know. My website, Aura Roots, A-U-R-A Roots, R-O-O-T-S.com. That has all of my products. These are professional healthcare companies that we've done manufacturing with. We have incredible quality, far better than you're going to get in regards to any consumer brand. Any brand you can buy off the shelf or buy online, these are practitioner exclusive, meaning typically you have to go through a naturopath or some practitioner to get access to these i just make my products available to the public so some of the best-selling products on the site you'll see my pure digest it's an amazing enzyme if you are dealing with headaches an enzyme would be a good insurance policy to help break down any sort of irritating component of the food has a little bit of hcl in there 200 milligrams we went pretty conservative with it because of how many people have gastritis you don't want to go too high with hcl you've got my pure omega that's a triglyceride form of fish oil it's very very pure we've molecularly distilled that purified it to make sure there's no pcbs there's no heavy metals no crap no junk from the ocean unfortunately the ocean is contaminated in many cases but we're able to make an extremely pure product based on where we get our fish and how we purify the oil. So that's the pure omega. The vitamin C tonic, that stuff's been flying off the shelves ever since COVID hit. We started talking about some of the studies on using vitamin C to help with that. Uh, back when I had COVID, I did high dose vitamin C and it significantly helped me. I was doing many, many other things, antiviral herbs and uh, glutathione and a nebulizer and other things. But I'll tell you, I think it definitely put a dent in it. And I would be confident to to testify to the whole world and say, hey, vitamin C is a game changer for that. China is doing a lot of studies on that right now. So that vitamin C tonic, it's a powder that we've created. It's a mixed ascorbate. So you get several different forms of vitamin C. It's not just ascorbic acid. That's what you get at the grocery store when you buy that typical emergency crap. It's just vitamin C made from ascorbic acid. That's not what you want. You want a mixed ascorbate with citrus bioflavonoids and quercetin. That's what we have. Plus, we've added some stevia. So it tastes delicious. It's like an orange fizzy drink. If you buy some, I think it'll be your 
the best part of your day. So I'll give you a coupon code. You can get free shipping on anything. It's going to be ship me, ship me, M-E. So ship me. And you'll get free shipping on any of your orders. That'll be a temporary coupon code, so take advantage of it if you want to try out some of my products and look through. I've got it all categorized, anything from anxiety to uh, digestive, you know, gut, immune. So check it all out, and that's all at AuraRoots.com. All right, take good care. We'll be in touch next week. If you need to book a call, EvanBrand.com has all the info. Take care now. Bye-bye.